Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. Before we jump into today's episode, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you have not heard already, Tatiana Taylor-Tate and I are planning an all-women's short-term rental conference called the Level Up Your Listing Summit. It will be a three-day conference, and the official dates are February 27th, 28th, and March 1st. It will be in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the venue is so flippin' beautiful. I cannot tell you how excited we are to put this on. We already have a good handful of speakers lined up, and I cannot wait to announce them. But here is where I need your help. Obviously, more info is to come. So ladies, save those dates, and as soon as tickets are announced, don't worry, you will be blasted with all the info you need on my Instagram, on Tatiana's Instagram, on my podcast, on our email list. You will not miss anything when tickets are officially available. But right now, please, we need your help. Putting on an event of this size and scale of what we are trying to do is going to take a lot of money and we need sponsors to make this event happen. That being said, we do not want sponsors just for the sake of sponsors. Any company or brand that we pitch about helping us put this event together, we want to make sure that they have a product or service that you will actually benefit from. And this goes both ways. We also do not want sponsors just for the sake of them giving us a paycheck. We want to make sure that if we pitch to someone to be there, it's because we believe that their audience will be present at this event. We want everybody to win here and everyone to get something out of it. In order to make this happen, we need to learn about you. And so Tatiana and I have put together a survey. It should only take you about five minutes. And we would so appreciate if you would take that time to just run through and answer as many questions as you can. Please be aware, you do not have to answer any question that you are uncomfortable with. If you answer literally one question, that is okay. The more responses we get, the better, of course, but only answer what you are comfortable with. We so appreciate the time, and after we collect all the responses, we will be raffling off three $50 Amazon gift cards to those of you who help us complete this survey. You can find the link to that survey in the show notes below. Thank you again for taking the time to help us out with this, and save those dates. We will see you February 27th, 28th, and March 1st in Scottsdale, Arizona for the first ever Level Up Your Listing Women's Summit. For today's episode, I know, I know the show is called No Vacancy and every week we are trying to find ways to improve our listings so that we can get more bookings at higher nightly rates and essentially have no vacancy. However, let's just let's just address the elephant in the room, okay? 
Obviously, you are going to have some vacancies at some point. It could be a random night here or there that just doesn't get filled in the middle of the month, or it could be a longer stint of time in your slow season that just isn't going to get booked as much. So today's episode, I want to talk about what to do when you actually do have a vacancy. I want to run through some ideas that you can still implement on vacant nights so that those nights aren't going completely to waste and you're still getting some value out of them for your short-term rental business. So typically, there are two types of vacancies that you're going to have. You're either going to have those random one or two night vacancies and openings. These are typically unbooked nights that would be midweek. Most commonly, I'll see open nights like this happen during someone's peak season or normal season due to minimum night constraints. So if you have a four night minimum on your listing, someone checks out on a Tuesday and the next person doesn't check in till Thursday, you've got two nights in between there that just are not able to book due to the nightly minimums that you have. Since you have a four-night minimum, no one's going to be able to book those two nights. And maybe it's not even that deep. Maybe for whatever reason, you just have a couple vacant nights. That's normal. That's okay. The other type of vacancy that you'll see is vacancies that you can kind of plan ahead for. I see this a lot because I'm in a very heavily seasonal market where we have really high highs and very low lows. Our winter and our summer do great and our spring and fall are much, much slower. It's very typical to see in heavily seasonal markets like this that during off season, a lot of properties are only booked on weekends and not able to get any midweek bookings. Or depending on how appealing or unappealing a listing might be, I see all the time that there are listings that get zero bookings during their slow season. I hope that's none of you, but it happens out there, unfortunately. So for today's episode, I want to talk about a few strategies that you can put in place depending on the type of vacancy you have, whether it's those just quick one or two night openings that randomly pop up from a last minute cancellation or in the middle of peak season, a couple nights you thought were going to book just didn't. Or if you have those times that you know are going to be slower, those planned ahead downtimes, what you can do in those periods. So let's start off with what to do when it's peak season or normal season and you just have those one or two random days open up. One of the best things that you can do here to make the most of this time is schedule your deep cleaning. I definitely recommend scheduling a deep cleaning for after your peak season ends because after you've been booked that much, that consistently for so long, it's definitely a good practice to just get a deep clean in there. However, for us, when we're in the thick of our high season, we are booked, I mean, seriously, 99%. We maybe have one, maybe two open nights between December 20th really is when our peak season picks up between December 20th to about March 31st. We are usually booked 99%. We maybe have one open night. And, you know, we do a good deep clean before our peak season starts. So we're kind of able to weather that length of time. But I can tell towards the end of the season when we get in there in April to do those deep cleans, you you can tell if you start kind of looking behind the fridge and you look at the air filters, you can tell that there's been, you know, quite a bit of usage in the property when you're just going back to back to back for that long, that consistently. If we have one or two nights open, that is such a good time. Of course, you need your cleaner to kind of be flexible. You know, if you have a last minute cancellation or somebody cuts their trip short or something like that, you do need your cleaner to be a bit flexible and 
Maybe you'll even find that you have a couple nights open, but you're still hoping they get booked. So you don't want to schedule the cleaner yet. And this is just one of those last minute things. It doesn't get booked. So then you want her in there. So make sure your cleaner is flexible for this. And obviously for deep cleanings, you are going to pay extra in addition to just your standard cleaning. But this is a great time to do something like that so that you're not just counting down the clock until that peak season ends when you can really get in there. But you do have a way to sort of get in there with a with a deeper cleaning more than your standard cleaning in the thick of your peak season before it ends. This is also a great time to go in and get some quick fixes and repairs done. Again, I'm talking changing air filters, maybe uh, changing the style of some sconces or pendants. I wouldn't go in and start hardwiring and messing with all the electrical internally when you only have one or two nights open, but externally just sort of replacing the style of a lamp or something, that could be a great time to do something like this. I would not start replacing major appliances or anything. The last thing you want is to go in and, I don't know, disconnect your whole dishwasher thinking that you can just quickly put in a new one and then find out oh crap, the new dishwasher doesn't doesn't fit or the connection isn't correct and we hauled away the old dishwasher and now we have someone checking in tomorrow. This is not the time. These are these quick one, two night openings that you can just get in and upgrade a couple things. This is not the time to go and, and replace all these major appliances. Don't go looking at your plumbing. Don't go changing any electrical. You could get maybe a chimney sweep in there or something, but I would not start retiling the face of the fireplace, okay? So, so quick fixes and repairs. Schedule those when you've got those one or two night openings. This is also a great time to just refresh your decor, okay? I'm not talking taking down all of the cabinet doors and sanding them and repainting or staining those, but painting a mural behind the bed, adding some wall decals, painting an accent wall, uh, refreshing the throw pillows, adding some more styled items on your open shelving. Great time to do things like this and just sort of play around with some different knickknacks and artwork. Keep in mind here, if you are going to be painting, try to do it as early as possible. Keep your windows and doors open and fans blowing as you're working because if you do have people checking in the very next day, you don't want it to smell like fresh paint when they walk in. So just keep that in mind if you are doing any paint upgrades. Another great thing that you can do when you have these one or two night openings is schedule professional photography. Here is specifically why I like doing this so much in time periods like this. With us, since we do have such a heavily seasonal market, right, really busy winters and summers and slower springs and falls, I will typically schedule professional photography for spring and fall. However, I do like to change up the photos on my listing seasonally. I think it's great to show the hot tub in the winter when people start booking for winter. I think it's really nice to show the lake during summer not being frozen over and covered in you know, ice and all of that. And so it is nice to showcase different photos and seasonality of the place. However, since we are booked so much back-to-back in winters and summers, it can be hard to get a photographer in those times. So I noticed that almost all my photos are from fall and spring. So this could be a really good time if you're in a market like I am. If you do have a one-night opening, get a photographer in there then 
And if you already have good photos of the inside, you might not need to even focus on that as much, but maybe some photos of the landscaping showing the different seasonality, uh, the lake nearby, your hot tub, your pool, something like that. But this could be a great time to kind of take advantage of an open night during your peak season and showcase what the property looks like in that sort of weather. And my last tip for you on how to make the most out of a short, quick vacancy like this is charge for late checkouts and early check-ins. So typically, I do not like to charge for those because I cannot guarantee that we are not going to be booked. But if you are a host, like we talked about earlier, where you might have a four or five night minimum, if you have a one night or a two night opening in between that just is not going to get booked based on your availability settings, you could definitely charge for late checkouts and early check-ins here. Just offer it to the guests, even if they don't ask and say before they're checking out, hey, we wanted to see if you were open to or if you were interested in doing a late checkout tomorrow. Um, Our late checkout rates start at $50 for each additional hour. So if you're wanting to stay an extra half day, just let me know. You can totally phrase something like this for the next guest coming. You could offer to them an early check-in. And since you have that night blocked off anyway, and it's not going to get booked, it makes no difference to you. I mean, you could potentially make an extra hundred bucks here if you get the previous guest who checks out on Wednesday to pay an extra 50 bucks for checking out late. And then your next guest who arrives Thursday to pay an extra 50 for checking in early. You could potentially make an extra hundred bucks and still not even have to book that night. So normally, like I said, I don't really like charging for early check-ins and late checkouts because I just, I never know what the cleaner is going to walk into. I never know if we're going to get a last minute booking. So I don't like guaranteeing those. But if you have a situation like this where you know that night is not going to get booked, why not go ahead and just try and upcharge and sell for those those late checkouts and early check-ins? Great way to make some extra cash when you know the night will be empty. Next up, here are some tips that you can implement when you have planned ahead downtimes. So if you know that your market has some slow seasons and, and you can account for them and you know when they're coming, what can you do to make the most of vacancies during those time periods? First of all, right off the bat, this is going to be the best time to do any sort of remodeling, of course. If you are doing a kitchen rehab, making over your bathrooms, if you're trying to repaint the entire place, um, adding tile, changing the flooring, replacing carpet, anything like that, swapping out appliances, this is the time you want to do those things. You never know if those sorts of projects are going to run into more and more hiccups. So schedule those for the start of your slow season. Keep dates in your calendar blocked off, honestly, because you just don't know if you're going to break into that wall thinking it was a simple electrical hardwiring and discover, I don't know, all sorts of stuff behind there that you have to replace the insulation or something. So err on the side of caution and give yourself more time with with projects like this. So planning big makeovers like this during your off season is a great strategy and a great way to make the most of those vacant periods. Another strategy that I love to see during slower off season periods when you do have more vacancies is using these nights for marketing purposes. Gifting influencers stays in exchange for content. I know I've touched on influencer marketing already in a couple episodes, including last week's with Bryce Cano, but the big thing you want to keep in mind here is that when you are allowing influencers to stay for free, 
please make sure that you have an agreed upon list of itemized deliverables from them. So how many photos are they going to post of your place? How many stories? How many reels are they going to make? How many TikToks? What are they putting on YouTube? Make sure that you've ran through all of that so that you're not just giving away these nights for completely free, even though again, you could argue that they are going to be sitting there vacant, but this is a business transaction. So don't just ever give away these nights for free. You still have your cleaning costs. You still have utilities. You could have used the place yourself. So still make sure that you know exactly what you're getting. But times like this, perfect time to get some marketing in there. It's slower anyway. So any extra marketing doesn't hurt. And it also will help you ramp up your content for when you head into peak season. And then you really want to start doing your social media marketing. This is also a great time to give away dates for a social media giveaway. So if you are trying to boost up a Instagram following for your short-term rental, you could run some sort of contest or giveaway saying, hey, if you follow us or repost this or comment, leave a comment on our stories or tag some friends, we will be giving away a free two-night stay for a couple nights give those stays away during your off season. Don't give away peak weekends in the middle of your peak season that you know are going to book anyway. Give away those free nights in your slower season that you can plan ahead for that you know probably wouldn't be booked anyway. So that is a perfect time. You can still run the contest during your peak season if you're trying to get the marketing at that period of time, but you can make it so that the award is then redeemed during your off season. So this is a great, another great way that you you can kind of use those nights to a marketing strategy. You could also use this time to hire content creators and have them come and stay in the place to shoot content for you. You don't just have to give away free stays for influencers and hope that they're going to deliver, but there are people who have careers traveling to Airbnbs and short-term rentals so that they can stay and get some content while they're there. Maybe you even want to do that yourself and go enjoy the place yourself, but if you're not comfortable doing that and don't feel like you can get the best quality images, hire someone. Actually, in about a month, I'm going to have an episode coming out with Taylor Hildreth. She runs social media accounts for short-term rentals and short-term rental owners. And one of the services she offers is actually traveling to your Airbnb, staying there for a couple nights and just gathering as much content as she can while she's there. Video clips for reels, photos, all sorts of stuff so she can make story posts and have content for you to post for the next six to 12 months. It's amazing how much content you can capture in just a couple nights blocked off. So if you've been interested in kind of hiring someone to get more more lifestyle shots and not just a professional photographer to take those stage pictures, but you know, get get authentic real content with someone, you know, lighting the fireplace or sitting around the fire pit or stargazing at night or making a cup of hot cocoa. Hiring someone like this, there are plenty of people out there who will do great work like this for you and can put together a lot of very realistic lifestyle content that you can share. Schedule that for your slow season so that you're not booking, you're not blocking off nights that are likely to book anyway. And of course, this is also a great time to gift stays to friends and family. If you have that one friend or family member that is always dropping hints about wanting to go to your Airbnb and you feel really awkward telling them no, tell them yes, but during off season, these are the times that you can gift them these nights. Maybe you can still charge them for cleaning or a heavily discounted nightly rate, but this is the time to do that when your nightly rates are going to drop anyway because it is your off season. You could also just gift the nights entirely. 
My mom has gifted some nights to some of her friends for anniversary trips. I have gifted some nights to friends who were getting married and this was their wedding gift. Just because the nights might not get booked on Airbnb doesn't mean that they have to go completely to waste and sit there empty. You can still get friends and family in there and have someone enjoying it. And of course, probably my favorite option out there, the final thing that you can do when you do have vacancies is use the place yourself. Fall in love with it again. One of the beautiful things about doing a short-term rental over getting a long-term tenant is that you can use the place yourself. So if you live somewhat close and you bought a place that you actually like and you decorated it in a way that you actually enjoy, use it yourself. That's one of the beautiful things about being a short-term rental host. For this week's Airbnb quick tip, your action item when you are done listening to this episode is to go on your Airbnb listing and review all of your amenities. It is actually insane to me how often Airbnb updates the amenities list. I swear it's like two or three times a month that I will go through the amenities list on Airbnb and randomly see that they've added a new amenity that I have, but I just didn't have it checked off because I didn't even know it was an option to check it off. So go through today if it's been, I'd say if it's been longer than a month since you last reviewed your amenities, go through today and review them again because they are always adding new ones. You can even add, if it's really been a while since you've updated your amenities list, you might not even know that you can even add specifics there, like under TV. You don't just check off that you have a TV. You can say what rooms the TVs are in. You can say what kind of TV it is, if it's a Roku, a Samsung, whatever. Under the shampoo and conditioner section, you can put the brand of the shampoo and conditioner. There are just so many things to check off and that list is ever growing. So after you finish it, send me a DM and tell me what is one amenity that you didn't have checked off, but that you now added because I guarantee you will find one for something that you have already had in your listing, but just didn't have it checked off on the, on the listing itself because that category didn't exist until now. I guarantee that you will each find at least one of those items. So let me know what it is. I'm dying to know what is the random thing that Airbnb added that all of a sudden all all of us hosts are checking off. For this week's question of the week, I want to address the idea out there of whether or not you should consider taking on long-term rentals. I see a lot of hosts who end up discovering that the constant back-to-back and turnover of short-term rentals can be a bit much and a bit daunting, and so the idea of hosting longer reservations becomes more and more attractive especially once you've had your first, you know, three week booking or something like that. It's kind of a nice change of pace to be like, oh, I didn't have to respond to anybody for checkout and check-in instructions in three weeks. That was kind of nice. Here's the thing though. I do not condone or endorse hosts using Airbnb to host long-term stays. Here's why. If you yourself have ever been a long-term tenant you know that the process of getting approved for something like that was a lot more intense than just the process of booking something on Airbnb. You probably had to have a credit check, a background check. You probably had to pay first and last month's rent in order to move in. You probably had to pay a hefty damage deposit and sign a bunch of waivers and contracts. 
Airbnb as a platform is just not designed to set up that many roadblocks towards getting people to rent. They want to make it as easy as possible for anyone to just create an account and be able to book something within a few minutes. And so for long-term renters, there is an added risk that you are getting people in there for a long period of time that have not been thoroughly vetted the way that a proper leasing company would vet them before they enter a year-long lease agreement. As you guys know, I scour hosting Facebook groups all the time, and one common trend that I have seen is that Probably four out of five times when I see a host who posts absolute horror stories of their places being trashed, having things stolen, having it destroyed, having to replace brand new appliances, repaint the place, all of that. Whenever I see those absolute worst stories, it is usually a host who has hosted a stay longer than 30 days. I don't know what it is, but there's something about that number that I swear once you start hosting people longer than 30 days, you get the worst guests ever. I've seen it time and time again. If anybody else is active and present on hosting Facebook groups, you can back me up on this. It's always these horrific pictures of just the worst messes you've ever seen in your life. And then somewhere in the comments, people will say oh my God, this is crazy. How long did you host these people for? And it always comes out that they were there longer than 30 days. I swear, four out of five times. I just personally don't think that Airbnb is a platform equipped to handle longer term stays. That's not what they're built for. It's short term rentals. That's their bread and butter. And so I I see that it can get tempting when you have had a few longer reservations to just sort of keep extending them. And it's a nice luxury and change of pace. But I think if you are trying to enter longer term stays, a different platform is going to suit you better. Furnished Finder is a great one specifically for travel nurses and traveling professionals to look for fully furnished listings, and they are much better for midterm stays and long-term stays. It's not the only platform out there for this by any means, but I just personally don't think that Airbnb is really designed to handle longer term stays, and I really think that there is just a a trend out there that the longer people stay, the worse type of guests they tend to be, unfortunately. If it were me, I would stick to short-term rentals on Airbnb. If you really want to entertain the idea of hosting longer stays, I would find a different platform for it. For this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, it is time, I hate to do this, but you guys knew this was coming. It is time today that we all take a moment to reflect and ask ourselves if we are the Airbnb holes. I'm going to play a real audio from a creator, Matt Buchel, who the amount of people who sent me this reel, the amount of you that DM this to me was truly astounding. And I think after the 50th person sent this to me, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to play this for, for the next Am I the Airbnb hole segment. So I'm going to play, play the audio here, and after we listen to it, let's regroup and let's see where, where he made some good points, okay? It's going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to sit through this together right now. 
the disparity between hotels and Airbnbs could not be greater right now. You, you check into a hotel, they treat you like a god. They're like, anything you need, we, we got it. They're like, we even folded a, a hand towel to look like a swan on your pillow. You're like, oh my god, I feel so good. You check into an Airbnb, you're getting a text from a woman named Louise that's like, the keys under the flower pot on the back porch. And you go to the back porch and there's like a thousand flower pots. Like, every Airbnb check-in feels like you're on a game show called like Home Invaders. And then the entertainment's not even comparable. Like, you got HBO in every hotel. HBO on the television. So you're just putting on a movie. You're watching it like it's 1998 in the hotel. But the Airbnb, you got Louise texting you, like, the instructions for the Roku are on the kitchen table. And then you look at it's like a stationery with flowers on it and just scribble. And you're like, well, I guess I'm not watching Love Island this weekend. And then even checking out at the hotel, it's like, they're like, just throw the towels on the damn floor. We don't care. Do whatever you want. And the Airbnb, the night before you're getting a text like, strip the sheets, start a load of laundry, sweep the floor, you'll never see a deposit again. You're like, what is our arrangement? Do I work for you? Okay. Take, Take a deep breath. I know. I know a lot of us feel called out right now. Okay. Let's Let's regroup. Let's gather our thoughts. Um, he makes some good points, okay? I'm not going to argue with him. I will be the first to say, you guys know that I am constantly asking hosts to do better. Let's go point by point. He starts by saying how it's so difficult to find the key and check in. I know I've brought this up a million times, but I have to bring it up again. If you do not have a smart lock yet, and you are not giving your guests a code, and you are expecting them to go to a lockbox with a physical key, we need to talk, okay? It is time. It is time to upgrade. You can do it. Get the smart lock. You will never look back. My favorite is the Schlagen code. I will link it below in the show notes for you, but your check-in process needs to be as simple as possible. We are not meeting our guests at a random coffee shop somewhere or coordinating when to stand outside on the porch and give them the key. We are not hiding the lockbox with the key somewhere under a rock or a fake plant. No. Smart locks are the way, okay? And you want to make sure that it's the kind of smart lock that you can program remotely so that you can change the code between every single guest, all right? This needs to be secure. Again, the Schlagen code, that's my favorite. I'll link it below, but there are others. Just make sure it has the capability to be able to be programmed remotely through Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Okay, next point he brings up is the entertainment factor. And I'm going to be honest, he got me on this one. Um, we have a smart TV and we've got all the apps downloaded so you can log into your your Netflix, your Hulu and whatnot. I will say we tried offering a complimentary Netflix and Hulu account in the early days. No one used it. Every single person logged out and logged into their own streaming service because I think that people want to be able to pick up where they left off watching, no one used it. However, he got me thinking, and I think that I'm going to add HBO now, because that one is kind of a luxury. Like, everyone has their own Netflix and Hulu and probably their own Amazon video. HBO is kind of a luxury, and I I think I'm going to add that one now. He, he makes some good points, and I think he got me on that one. He also mentions here, though, that you should not have the instructions and the house manual scribbled on some piece of stationery. Yes, couldn't agree more. 
Get an actual house manual template. It's so easy to customize. You can plug in all the different bits of text. It's cute, it's easy to read, it's organized nicely and concisely. Print it, put it in nice laminated sheets that are not gonna get dirty with multiple people touching them and put it in a nice binder, okay? I do have a house manual and guidebook template in my shop page on my website. You can digitally download them and customize them in Canva. And if you use code NOVACANCY, you'll get 20% off those templates. Even if you don't use my template, find a nice one on Etsy or Canva or something because, I mean, the man's got a point here, okay? We're not scribbling any instructions on a piece of stationery. Let's, let's be professional here. And the last two points he covers... And I I agree with him. I agree with him 100%. The last two points he covers, you guys, the insane amount of checkout instructions. If you still have more than three things in your checkout instructions, we need to talk. I mean, I I even, I swear I even think three is pushing it. Like, in extreme cases, if you really have to have those three, okay, but we have to do better. You guys, our, our reputation right now, hosts are getting slandered. Out here on TikTok, it's rough, okay? People hate us, (laughs) and I don't blame them. When you're on vacation, do you want to do chores? You go on vacation to avoid it. We have to do better. Please, please, please eliminate the amount of chores that you're asking your guests to do. And one other thing I'm going to agree with him on, and I'm so happy he brought this up, I only send two messages to my guests throughout their entire stay, one to confirm when they've booked, And one the morning of their check-in. And besides that, I just say, let me know if you have any questions. That's it. And I get pushback from so many hosts who are like, oh, I send a message one hour after they check in and the night of their check-in asking if everything was okay. And the morning after they check in, I let them know that, you know, they should go to breakfast here and here. And the night before they check out, I send them this. And then when they check out, I send them this. And after they check out, I ask them for a five-star review. And I've always cringed to my core when I hear situations like that. And I swear, I have thought to myself, am I crazy? Am I the only host out here that is not sending all these messages? Like, am I doing it wrong? No. Thank you to this guy because it just reaffirmed me. This is this is how we need to do it, you guys. Just minimize the amount of communication. Does your hotel text you every 12 hours? and say, hey, just wanted to check on you. No, if you need something, you call the front desk. I will just let my guests know they can call me whenever, and I will try to help them with whatever they need. This is how we have to do. We got to do better. This guy makes some good points. I mean, I I think I'm going to get HBO. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm going to. I'm going to get HBO for my guests now. Um, But besides that, I'm happy to say I passed the vibe check. Hosting with Natalie Palmer passes the vibe check. I hope that that my community, that you guys, we're, we are going to do better, okay? We are not going to be these hosts out here that TikTok has a legitimate case against. We are going to be the hosts that make a change. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.